Welcome, everyone, to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced, all here for your entertainment. present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. The Fairmont Affair. I'd heard of Lady Ada Fitzhugh, who in London, or for that matter, all England hadn't. She was a famous beauty had married into the peerage, and from that moment on, become the model of autocratic behavior. Upright and self-disciplined, she had maintained the admiration of all. When, after her husband died doing his duty in India, she had settled down to show society a standard that few could live up to. Her famous house in Mayfair and her country seat at Beaumont in Cumberland were well known. Few people were invited to them. When they were, they were honored guests. Good morning, my lady. You are very welcome. May I introduce you to Dr. Watson, my friend and colleague for many years. How do you do, Doctor? Yes, of course I've heard of you. Where are, may I sit? Anywhere you wish. Uh, this chair is reasonably comfortable. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Holmes, I shall not bandy words with you. We are both too intelligent. Well, I shall come straight to the point. I need your advice, and I'm willing to face it. I'm willing to listen to anything you have to say. I have a niece. Mrs. Blanche Lee, you may have heard of her. She's often commented upon in the society magazines, photographed for her flawless beauty. She is indeed the original English rose. No artificial devices at all. Quite natural. I'm very fond of her, although I think she's made a dubious marriage. However, that's not the point. Of late, she has been behaving in a most strange way. I've noticed it several times at my home here in Mesa and at Beaumont. It distresses me. I fear she will fall from grace and popularity. I want you to investigate the matter, and I shall pay you whatever you require. I am a criminal detective, lady. There seems nothing criminal to investigate in what you told me so far. You say your niece has been behaving strangely. May I ask you what now? Well, she appears quite normal at most times. During the day, she's cheerful and full of vitality. But towards the evening, she will. She has yet to appear at dinner without lapsing into a form of a trance. I cannot insist that she's medically examined, and I doubt if that will give the answer. But I cannot describe it, Mr. Holmes. It's, it, it, it's bewildering, as though, as, though, as though someone is hypnotizing her, some sort of, some sort of vessel possessing her. Hmm, interesting. But it seems to me a case more for my doctor friend than for myself. Well, perhaps. But I should value the opinions of both of you. Now, I'm holding a small house party at Beaumont this weekend, and Blanche will be present. So her husband has had to decline the invitation. Just a few selected guests. I should be happy if you and Dr. Watson would attend. An open check to your favorite charity will be the expression of my thanks. Well, Mr. Holmes? I'm sure that had I not been present, Holmes would have rejected Lady Ada's invitation. As it was, the thin-lipped smile broadened. 
He had again read my mind and knew that I'd be delighted to go to Beaumont's. He accepted. Lady Ada buys the time of arrival and departed graciously. Perhaps having cut out of London would not be a bad idea, Watson. An invitation to Beaumont's is an incredible opportunity, Holmes. It should be most interesting. Mm, I wonder. I think Lady Ada knows far more than she's telling us. Mrs. Blanchley must be aware of these times when she's not herself. Why doesn't she discuss the matter more freely? Yes, it might, as you say, be very interesting. All preparations were made. We caught the northbound train on Friday morning and arrived at Beaumont in the late afternoon. Lady Ada had sent a carriage to the station. And after being shown our rooms, we went down to the great hall where tea was being served. And where we were introduced to the other guests. Mr. Roland Dean. Hello. Uh, Count Carl Minchner. This is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Hello. Rock. How do you do? Hello, 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 oh, and here is my niece, Blanche Lee. It is indeed an honor to meet one so famous as yourself, Mr. Holmes. Uh, my husband has worked with your brother, Michael. So I believe. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Lee. Oh, please. Call me Blanche. I'm sure we can all be on first name terms for the next few days. Well, what a delightful company you have assembled, Aunt. Tell me, Count. Have you brought the first spiel with you? Yeah, yeah, he's up in my room. My lady knows that I never travel without him. Oh, I can't help it. He will pine away. Simply die if I leave him behind. <laughs> oh, you really must meet that lush spiel, Mr. Holmes. He is the Count's favorite parrot. Is he very old, Count? Mm, they say nearly 100 years. No one can tell. Not even that lush himself knows. <laughs> have you asked him? Well, I have many times. And what does he say? Oh, he says... Well, if everyone has taken tea, then perhaps you'd like to be shown over the estate. Oh, yeah, yeah. After that, we shall go our own ways until dinner. And that is at eight o'clock sharp. So come. The Beaumont estate was breathtakingly lovely, and I enjoyed the hour's walk. I had no time to speak privately with Holmes. But I could see him eyeing Blanche Lee quite keenly. She was indeed the most beautiful woman. Tall, slender, with black hair, and the bluest eyes I've ever seen. She was aglow with health. And yet, when we sat down to dinner, a subtle change slowly came over her. From being beautiful, she grew too old and disagreeable. Her dazzling smile vanished. And when she answered a question, her lips drew back in what was almost a snarl. Everyone noticed as the meal went on. Would anyone care to ride tomorrow? Oh, I would, Lady Ada. I always enjoy taking the horses out early. Oh, Count, what do you say? Oh, my horse riding days are over, I'm afraid. <laughs> what of you, Blanche? We've ridden out early before. Come with me. No. We needn't go early. Any time you like. I said no, and I mean no. But, excuse me. Blanche! Blanche! Are you all right? Blanche, my dear! Right. We're all horrified. Of course, the rest of the meal was a fiasco. Lady Ada did her best to set us at ease, but we were glad when it was over. Blanche had locked herself in her room, and there was no chance of me examining her. I hurriedly consulted Holmes. What do you think, Holmes? What caused that sudden transformation? I don't know. As a medical man, what do you say yourself, Watson? Well, I hardly like to suggest it, but I can only think that the lady takes drugs. Mm, here's my own impression. But have you known any drug have that effect? No, but there could well be one. You know, I'm a general practitioner, Holmes. I'm not a specialist on drugs. <sighs> what can we do? 
for nothing for tonight. Tomorrow after breakfast, I'll speak to Lady Ada. The first opportunity, I shall need to search Blanche Lee's room and all her personal effects. There must be something there that will tell me what I want to know. With that, Holmes retired. I didn't know how well he slept, but I had a very troubled night. I simply could not forget the scene at the dinner table. In the morning, very reluctantly, Lady Ada agreed to Holmes' plan. Blanche had risen quite early. She appeared to be quite her old self and had gone off riding with Roland Dean. Lady Ada showed us to Blanche's room. This is Blanche's room. I, I don't like to do this. It's wrong to search another person's belongings. I believe in this case it is justified. Uh, tell me, who has the rooms either side of this one? Roland Dean has one on the left. And Count Minchner, the one on the other side. Count Carl Minchner and his parrot. Yes. Yes. There's no connecting doors and no common veranda. Hmm. So much for the geography. Now to the examination. I must ask you, Lady Ada, to let me proceed up on my own. Do not touch anything. Watson knows my methods. Just leave all this for me. I'd seen Holmes search a room and its personal effects many times. But I'd never known him be more thorough. Every article of clothing, every item on the dressing table, including jewellery, was subjected to close scrutiny through his powerful magnifying glass. Eventually, he rose, appearing more satisfied. Mm. Well, I think that's all I can do at the moment. You will see that this investigation remains secret, will you not, my lady? Oh, of course. For my own sake, as much as yours. Have you found out anything that will help us, Mr. Holmes? Perhaps, perhaps. Will you excuse us now, lady? Come, Watson, I need a walk in the garden. And there we shall try a small experiment. An experiment that could well solve this whole mystery. And may I lead the way? Sherlock Holmes led the way out of the house and into its grounds. He paced the lawns thoughtfully, occasionally looking up at the room he'd just been searching. Then he chose a small summer house by the lake and motioned me to sit near him. Sit down, Watson. Sit down. Well, Holmes, what's this experiment you wish to carry out? Uh, what am I to do? You are merely to stay here with me, Watson. Stay by my side and whatever happens during the next few minutes, do not call to aid. Keep silent and watch over me. Remember, do not let anyone witness this or know of it. Just stay with me. Note down everything and wait until I give you permission to walk back into the house. Do you understand and promise me this? Well, well uh, yes, yes, of, of course. Very well. With that, Holmes began rubbing his hands together and then smoothing his lips, moistening them with his tongue and breathing quite heavily. Slowly, a change came over him. His eyes lost their usual keenness. His jaw sagged forward. His whole complexion changed. It was exactly as Blanche Lee had acted at dinner the night before. I couldn't believe my eyes. Holmes. Holmes, you're all right. Yes, then, of course, I'm all right. You sound different. Now, now what's happened to you? Quiet. Mind your own business. Holmes, this is dreadful. You look like a man possessed. I can't just sit here and watch this happen. Look, I'm going to help. Someone must be told. No, no, no. Do you understand? Didn't you promise me, you fool? What has happened? Surely you can tell me? Let me help you as a doctor. I should Will you not be patient? You can't hold your tongue and then they go out under the path. But if you said, don't call anyone. That is an order. You understand? An order. I stood at the entrance to the summer house, guarding over Holmes as he sat back on the seat, his hands clenching the ivy-covered woodwork, his mouth opened, and eyes staring to space. Eventually, he relaxed and appeared to slumber. I stood looking out over the water, almost in despair. And then I felt a hand touch my shoulder. All right, Watson. Thank you very much. I think we can return to the house now. Oh, Holmes, Holmes. Oh, thank goodness for that. Hear yourself again. What ever happened? 
Ah, I've never seen you like that. It, it scared me half to death. Not as much as I myself was scared, I do assure you. <laughs> Whatever happened, what caused it all? And well, can you recall what happened? Oh, yes, yes. But I cannot imagine on the matter at the moment, Watson. I shall be able to explain to you later. Meanwhile, it is sufficient that I have solved the mystery, and it only remains for me to set matters right here. I think I know a way of doing so. Come back to the house. And not a word of this to solve. Yes, of course. But oh, I've, I've seldom been so bewildered, Holmes. You have been a great help. But I must ask you to do two more things. Very well. One is to get into the nearest village and send a telegram to the house addressed to me. Word it so that anyone seeing it will think it is from London, recalling us both urgently. With a little luck, we may be able to catch the night train home. Is, is that what you want? It is vitally necessary. I promise you we shall have this case solved in the next 24 hours. Well, so it is a case. There is something criminal going on. Oh, I would say it is nasty a crime as any outside actual murder has come. I wasted enough time. You go about your business and I shall go about mine. We shall not meet until lunchtime. Good luck, Watson, and thank you again. I did as Holmes requested. I found a post office in a nearby village and managed to make sure a telegram would get to Beaumont that afternoon. Then I found Count Karl Münchner. I found he was a great authority in all kinds of birds other than parrots. And so it was easy to get him to walk through the woods identifying bird calls. We returned to the house to find Lady Ada in a state of great concern and confusion. Count! Count, my dear Count! I, I, I really don't know what to say to you. Oh, sister, listen, lady, what is the matter? It, 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 it's your parrot. What? It is Das Lustspiel. What has happened to him? He is not hurt, injured. No, 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 no. Nothing is wrong with the bird. It's oh. just... It's just... A... Oh, Blanche! Blanche, my dear! What on earth is the matter? Why are you looking so distraught, Aunt? Count, what is wrong? We've had such a lovely morning. I, I, I hardly like to say this, but... But, but Das Lustspiel must have got out of the Count's room and, and somehow flown onto your balcony and entered your room, Blanche. He... Oh, he's made a terrible mess of things. Quite a lot of the brightly coloured materials have been torn, and the dressing table is in complete disarray. Oh, please, please, you must come with me and see for yourselves and... and well, let's hope that nothing missing, jewellery or anything of importance. So come quickly, quickly. I was just looking. Well, it's certainly a mess. But I don't think there's anything missing. There might be a few trinkets, a, a small comb, a, the pad I polish my nails with. That sort of thing, but nothing of importance. you are a very naughty boy, very naughty, not so, yeah? <laughs> oh, really? There's nothing to make a fuss about. Don't scold him. But what I say is, the mystery, how did he get in here? Oh, Egyptian, you are too old to fly it with the tricks, you know. I always thought the count was too eccentric for words. Perhaps your aunt will put a stop to him bringing such pets down here after this. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> so. But no harm done after all. In the afternoon, the telegram arrived for Holmes, and he made a great display of regret at having to leave Beaumont's by the evening train. Lady Ada was clearly upset, but Holmes reassured her that there would be no more trouble, and her niece would never suffer the attacks of personality change again. With that, we departed. Holmes said nothing on the journey back to London. He slept most of the way. But once there, he hailed a handsome cab, and much to my surprise, gave an address in St. John's Wood. But Holmes, I, I can't understand this. What is it all about? Now, look, I've done my best to be patient, but I refuse to be treated like a child. I will accompany you no further without an explanation. We're going to the home of Mr. Matthew Lee Watson. I'm sorry that I've had to inflict so much upon you. It has sorely tried your patience, but all will be revealed to you once we talk to Blanche Lee's husband. I know it's very late, but on the other hand, we're sure of finding him at home. It's quite essential that we talk before his wife gets in touch with him. 
Ah, this is the speech. But not long now. I controlled my annoyance. I was too intrigued to desert Holmes at this stage. It took quite some time to get a reply to our continual knocking, but eventually a disabled butler was persuaded to show us into Matthew Lee's library. And there, some ten minutes later, the irate gentleman himself entered. Now, look here, what is this? What the devil do you mean by knocking me up at this time of the night? You are Mr. Sherlock Holmes, are you not? Yes, I know your brother. I could never imagine him acting in this disgraceful manner. On the contrary, Mycroft is far more ruthless than I am when it comes to criminal matters. Criminal matters? What do you mean, criminal matters? What are you talking about? Dr. Watson and I have just returned from a visit to Beaumont's, where your wife is spending the week as a guest of her aunt's. This, of course, you well know. Well, of course I do. Well... Well, what's wrong? Uh, something happened to Blanche? No, that's no thanks to you. Why do you do it, Lee? Why did you try to discredit your wife in the eyes of her aunt and any guests she may have invited her to dine with? I, I don't know what you're talking about. No? No, perhaps this will remind you. Here. It's a small, round, jeweled container, rather like a locket. It opens so. And inside, we find what? A paste of some kind. It is your wife's. Do you know what she uses it for? I, I think it's something she... She polishes her fingernails with, isn't it? That's the excuse she may have made at one time, but your wife is famed for her natural beauty, isn't she? She does not wave her hair or clean her face or even powder her nose. The rose of England is quite natural. That is part of her beauty and one of the reasons why most young men fall in love with her. Oh, yes. You're wildly jealous of Blanche, aren't you? She's something of a flirt, I can tell now. She completely bewitched that young Roland Dean, although he was rather put off when she acted so strangely at dinner last night. She appeared to be... Another person, a rather repulsive, rude, and ugly person. I can't be blamed for my wife's peculiarities. Oh, but you can. You know that for years now, the only type of beauty aid that Blanche has used is a lip salve. In the evenings, after dressing for dinner, she would gently smear a little of this ointment across her lips. It gave them a rosy glow and prevented them from feeling gapped and coarse. But you have often tampered with that lip salve, have you not? If this ointment were to be analyzed, the pharmacist would find it contains a rare alkaloid substance known as turtlecine. Large doses of it would induce fits, strokes, and even madness in human beings. Small doses caused irrationality, loss of memory, flashes of ungovernable temper, I know. I tested it out myself this morning. Watson will tell you that it changed me completely and for the worst. It is a foul thing that you've been doing to your wife. Uh, I judge it to be a criminal thing. Uh, uh, I, uh, I know, I admit it now. I, I must have been mad to have thought it out. I, I wanted to... Put an end to her incessant flirting and carrying on. I, I thought if, if she could appear to, to be discredited in social circles because of her infamous behavior, it, it would make her turn back to me. I wanted her to appear repentant so that I alone could enjoy her attractiveness. I, I admitted that now. I, I'm ashamed of myself. So, so what are you going to do, Mr. Holmes? Leave you and trust you to throw that container into the Thames. I think that is all. It's been a wretched story, and you are a wretched man. Come, Watson, time we went home. Holmes and I returned to the waiting hansom, and as we clattered our way back to Baker Street, I asked Holmes how he came to clear the affair up so quickly. I noticed Blanche's lips when she came in to dinner. They were the only part of her that was different. Of course, once she drank some wine, the poison entered her throat. She had no other beauty preparation on her dressing table but that small container. After I'd proved it by taking some of the stuff myself, I left that parrot out of the count's room and took it into Blanche's. I stole a few trifles to make it look as though the bird had been a thief. Oh, an unsavory case, Watson. With only one unsolved difficulty. How do I prove to Lady Ada that I've been responsible for saving her niece and can claim that open check without letting the cat out of the bag? Mm. 
Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson. Sure, that'll be all, sir. Oh, uh, yes, thank you. Get a pen. I shan't want anything more. Oh, uh, by the way, how's your wife? Is she recovering from the operation? Well, I'm happy to say there's progress, but it will be a long job, sir. Yes, uh, well, um. Yeah. Buy something with this. Cheer her up. Oh, thank you, sir. You're most kind. I do appreciate it. Oh, that's all right. I hope things go well for you. Good night, Gilpin. Uh, good night, sir. putting it off any longer. of conscience. James Bereford's death by his own hand shocked the London business world. The rumours had been well founded. Never smoke without fire, the financiers said over their whiskies and sodas. Beresford's notes had been going about the city at 40% discount, and there were no takers. Settling day was the very next day. He realized he was a completely ruined man, and so he took the only way out. James Beresford, the man who shot himself yesterday, he at least did not leave a wife and family. Oh, uh, no, no, quite. Uh, poor devil. I know the man was a gambler and probably wrecked a great deal of havoc through his ruthlessness in business, but I can't help feeling sorry for him. He must have been in a desperate state of mind. Mm, indeed, yes. I met the gentleman on more than one occasion through my brother Mycroft in the Diogenes Club. He was on the surface a most amiable and fair-minded man. He was well-liked by many and feared by most. A man like Beresford makes many enemies in the course of a lifetime. Well, you mean that... That his enemies may have brought about his ruin. Oh, undoubtedly. The point is that in order to outmaneuver his kind, one has to be within the inner circle, as it were. Well, I, I don't think I follow that, Holmes. Well, I mean, only someone near to him, someone who held his confidence, would be able to trick him so cleverly that it would lead to total bankruptcy. But you think he was driven to this by the treachery of his friends? Oh, almost certainly. That may appear cynical of me, and I doubt if we shall ever learn the truth, but I should judge it to be so. How? dreadful that any man can be betrayed to that extent. Mm, quite. It is inhuman and immoral. But not a criminal matter, for no one has broken any laws. One can cheat a man quite legally by giving him false advice. 
If I sway your judgment to back a horse that has no chance of winning, well, whose fault is that? Yes, sir, I see what you mean, but if Beresford was forced to kill himself by someone else, I wouldn't like to have that person's conscience. Ah, yes, a matter of conscience. Yes, that is a different matter. Ah, we have a visitor. I wonder who that can be so early on a cold November's morning. Now, if, if it's anybody important, you have no need to fear of my presence. I, I've ne sadly neglected my patients due to this flu epidemic, and I, I must be about my business. Oh, no, 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 please don't go. I value your opinions. They give me the slant of the ordinary man in the street. Oh, excuse me, a young lady to see you, Mr. Holmes, refuses to give her name, and apparently she ain't got no car. Mm, well, her business must be urgent to ignore the weather and the social niceties. Uh, show her in, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, very well. This way, please. Thank you. Uh, do come in. May I introduce myself? I am Sherlock Holmes, and this is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? I know who you are. I have often seen you, Mr. Holmes. Do come near to the fire. Uh, take a seat. Uh, some coffee? Uh, no, thank you. I cannot stop. Uh, and you will possibly ask me to leave anyway. You see, I want some advice. But I'm not prepared to give you my name or address. That is at least honest. You could have lied about those facts and hoped to get away with it. I, I don't lie. I always tell the truth. I want you to advise me on the correct course of punishing a man who has forced another man to commit suicide. Ah. That is the most curious request. Something which is both pertinent and topical. I take it that you're referring to the death of Mr. James Beresford. How did you guess that? It's really not at all hard. The case is splashed all over the newspapers. Watson and I were discussing the tragedy and the poor fellow's state of mind just before you called. Suicide while the balance of his mind was disturbed. That what you think? Nonsense. He was driven to it by Max Corbett. Max Corbett. Yes, they started as partners. Is that not so? very many years ago. An enterprise known as International Supplies. Very ambitious and very successful. It was all James Beresford's skill and business acumen. But Corbett and his cronies got to know more. They deceived him in, in various different ways under different names. Beresford trusted them. He was unaware even up to the last six months of the bitterness and hatred he was faced with. Can you believe it? Oh, yes. Uh, please continue. You're telling me very little that I didn't know. Beresford was forced in the end to turn to moneylenders only to find that they also were puppets of Max Corbett's men. Then came the final squeeze. It, it was cold-blooded and calculated. And at the moment, these men are pretending to be heartbroken, but they are inwardly delighted. They should be punished. They must be punished. Particularly Max Corbett. Do you not agree with me, Mr. Holmes? <sighs> My dear young lady, as I pointed out to Watson only a short while ago, this cannot be regarded as a criminal matter. Everything you say may be true. You may even be able to produce certain facts as proof, but there is no way that you're going to pin a crime onto Max Corbett. If you start to spread these rumours, you can lay yourself open to an action for slander. But Corbett is too clever to be caught like that. You mean that, that my hands are tied? That there is nothing I or anyone else can do? Mm, I didn't say that. I shall have to give the matter some thought. I wonder... Uh, Watson, while you're doing your rounds, will you be anywhere within the vicinity of the Diogenes Club? I can be, Holmes, yes. Then would you be good enough to deliver a note to my brother, Mycroft? He's bound to be there around lunchtime. Excuse me a moment. Paper and pen. Envelope. Yes. Mr. Holmes, it is quite clear that my worst fears have been confirmed. I'm doing no good here. Merely wasting your time. I'd better leave. Yeah, no, 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 no. Please don't go. There you are, Watson. Now, if you could see that this is delivered as soon as possible. Oh, very well, I should do my best. Oh, will you excuse me now? I'm a doctor and have to attend to patients. 
I shall call back later, Holmes. Uh, good morning to you. Now, young lady, answer me one thing. If I agree to help you, you will give me your name and address here and now? I got to the Diogenes Club just before lunch and left Holmes's note for his brother. The place seemed unusually crowded. I met a few people I knew who invited me for a drink. And it being a cold day, I accepted gratefully. It was while in one of the rooms that I heard the name Max Corbett mentioned. Ah, Max. Max Corbett. <laughs> Might have known that you'd be here today. Toasting to success. I don't know what you mean, Wilder. I came to collect some mail. And now I'm off to see my fiancée. That's worth a toast. Ah, yes. The Honourable Abigail Stratton. Yes, I read of your engagement. Congratulations. Thank you. But today is not a happy one. Not after hearing of poor Beresford shooting himself. <laughs> poor Beresford, indeed. Cut out the rot, Max. I happen to have been on the right side when international supplies went under, so I'm not complaining. But I'm not a fool. You and I and the rest of the crowd caused it to happen. That's a lie. It's true, and you know it. You put Beresford out of the game as surely as if you pulled the trigger of that revolver yourself. You played every dirty trick you could to beat him. I've got to hand it to you. You've got what you want. Mind you, what Abigail Stratton would think. Well, lucky for you, she doesn't understand business deals. Now, you keep Abigail out of this. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. She's your problem. I wonder how you'll explain it all. Tell me something, Max. Were you very afraid of him? Afraid of him? Afraid of Beresford? No, of course not. Not in the slightest. Well, I'd say you were... Scared stiff. That's why you couldn't fight straight. You've made a fortune out of him, but you had to do it crookedly. James Beresford was a gambler, but a fair one. Something you'll never be, a fair fighter. Now, that's enough, Wilder. I'm not staying here to listen to this. And you'd better watch your step. You're right when you say I have influence now, more than I'd ever had. So be careful. <laughs> you can't frighten me, Max. I've taken all precautions. Excuse me, Mr. Corbett. Uh, you called for your mail, but uh, this one must have been overlooked. It was at the desk. Uh, and how he got there, I can't say. Must have just arrived uh, by hand. Oh. Well, thank you. Uh, excuse me, Wilder. What? Well, that's strange. Handwriting. It, it looks like... Well, go on. Open it up, then, old boy. Might be important. We can't end it like this. You cannot get rid of me. I shall always be near. I will call upon you at your home in Eaton Square next Thursday evening, exactly at nine o'clock. You will see me. You cannot avoid it. Jimmy. Oh, what? What's up, Max? You look as though you've seen a ghost. Not bad news, I hope. Something frightened you. Again? What is it this time? Something real or something imaginary? Or is it the fact that you have a guilty conscience? The next few days were very busy ones for me. I was either out in the cold, misty London streets visiting sick patients or attending to them in my surgery. I hardly saw Holmes, and when I did, he was usually coming in or going out of 221B Baker Street, so muffled up that I could scarcely recognize him. 
Then, about two days after the inquest on the death of James Beresford, we had a caller. The morning was a foggy one. Gas lamps burned in the streets long after daylight. It was surprisingly cold, and Mrs. Hudson arrived later than usual. She was not pleased to receive a visitor in these circumstances. Oh, now, what on earth? Oh, it's going to be one of those days. Yes? I want to see Sherlock Holmes, Martin. I'm not so sure that you can. Have you an appointment? No, but it's early. He must be at home. That is, if he isn't still in bed. Mr. Holmes is always up early, but he doesn't like to be disturbed at this hour. Now, if you give me... No, look here, yeah, that's enough. Let me in. I didn't come all the time to argue with a common washerwoman on a doorstep. Common washerwoman, indeed. The rooms are upstairs. Very well, I'll find my own way. You can't charge him like this, sir. He wants to know who you are and what your business is. It's my job to look after him and see that he isn't put upon by the likes of people like you. Come here, quiet. Um, yes, what is it? This, this man pushed his way in, sir, and he demands to see you. Mr. Holmes, I couldn't keep it out. That's all right. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. You may come back to clear breakfast in ten minutes. Uh, oh, come on, what a woman indeed. Come in, Mr. Corbett. Take a seat. Uh, you know Dr. Watson? How do you do? No, I don't know, Watson, but I'm glad to see you remember me, Holmes. We've met a couple of times at the club, haven't we? That is correct. May I ask the purpose of this surprise visit? Oh, it's all right. You may speak freely in front of my friend. I have no secrets from him. Well? I'm being persecuted. And I want you to put a stop to it. Persecuted? You mean someone is threatening you? You're in bodily danger in some way? A threat to your well-being? <laughs> then why not go to the police? Oh, no, no, no. There's nothing tangible for the police to get their teeth into. It's far too subtle. The fact is that since my good friend and ex-partner James Beresford killed himself, uh, someone's been... Well, persecuting me. I, I've received a note. Here, I'll, uh, I'll show it to you. It was delivered at the club. It's a, a stupid joke, of course, someone with a perverted sense of humour. It's written, as you can see, as though it came from Jimmy Beresford. The, the, the handwriting is the same. My dear Corbett, if you know this is just a malicious trick, then why not burn it and forget the whole matter? Because it won't stop there. It hasn't. I'm, I'm being watched, followed. I, I, I know I am. And I've seen him. Not once or twice, but several times. Seen him? Seen whom? Well, someone, disguised as Jimmy. Okay, coming out of the fog, why, only yesterday I, I banged into him. I, I could have sworn it actually was him. Tall, big, dressed in the way that Jimmy always dressed. Even the same cigars, the, the, the smell. The, the, the fact is that someone's trying to scare me, break my concentration. If that was the objective, it certainly succeeded. You seem very distrait. Well, it's getting on my nerves. Well, of course it is. I, I'm too busy a man to be bothered by such petty things. I'm going to get married soon. I don't... This going on a moment longer. You've got to stop it, Holmes. I fail to see quite what I can do. Well, catch whoever it is behind all this. I, I'll pay you any amount of money you want. Now, look, today is Tuesday. And in that blasted note, it says that, that whoever it is, is is going to call on me at nine o'clock on Thursday. Well? Well, here's your chance. You've got two days. Now, catch whoever it is that's tormenting me. Arrest him. Hunt him out. Scare the living daylights out of him. Warn him that, that if this persecution continues, he'll be dealt with. I, I, I don't quite know what methods you can use. I, I don't care. Just, just tell me how much you want to offer me complete protection. Uh, Mr. Corbett, I'm a private detective. I only deal in very important criminal matters. I am not a bodyguard. 
And cases like this are of no interest to me whatsoever. You, you mean you won't take the case? <coughs> may I clear now, sir? I do not consider that there is a case, Corbett. Uh, yes, Mrs. Hudson, you may take away the breakfast things and see this gentleman to his carriage. Oh, very well. But you'll be sorry for all this. And I don't need that creature to show me out. Goodbye. We've had some ill-mannered people in these here rooms, Mr. Holmes, but me, he must rate as the worst chick. No be rich, that's what the French should call him. I am inclined to agree, but forget it, Mrs. But he called me a common washerwoman and a creature. It really doesn't matter. That's all very well, but people in glass houses shouldn't try to put the straw that broke the camel's back through the eye of a needle. A plethora of mixed metaphors, Mrs. Hudson, but you made your point. After Max Corbett left, Holmes was strangely silent. He returned to his seat by the fire and relit his pipe. He knew far more than he'd told me and wasn't going to tell me more. I packed my things and prepared to leave on my daily rounds. As I put on my overcoat and gloves, he said, You will be free this evening, won't you, Watson? No, I have no appointments, but I doubt if I shall be home before seven. Oh, that's all right. Ample time to get over to Eaton Square by nine. Ah, where Corbett lives. Where to pay a call upon him. That's right. Although I'm quite sure he will have another unexpected visitor before then, but we must be ready for all emergencies. A young lady to see you, sir. Her card. Hmm? Oh, thank you. Mr. Gillian Marsh. Secretary to Mr. James Beresford. Hmm. Oh, well, what's, what's the, uh, the time here? Eight o'clock, Mr. Corbett. Oh, all right. Show him. Very good, sir. This way, please, miss. Uh, thank you. Good evening, Mr. Corbett. Good evening. I don't think we've met. I was Mr. Beresford's secretary. I have called because I wanted to know if you could help me. Have you any similar work for me to do? I'm very experienced in your type of business, and I'm now unemployed. I'd be grateful for some help. Well, sit down, Miss Marsh. This seems the most odd time for you to call. Hardly business hours. But let's not bother about that. You see, you worked for Jimmy Beresford. I never saw you in his office. I worked for him at his home. I was a private secretary. I see. Then you must know all his correspondence. Tell me, Miss Marsh, have you ever seen this note before? James Beresford's writing. She'll see you Eaton Square. Mm, call on Tuesday evening. Exactly at nine. What? what what's that? Tuesday evening? No, no, no. No, it says Thursday evening. Oh, no. No, you're mistaken. I know this writing. It's Tuesday. But, but th th that's today. I, I made all the preparations for Thursday. I I'm going to Paris that morning. It, it can't be Tuesday. It can't be. It, it, it's eight o'clock. And Jimmy will be here within the hour. I'll leave you to face him, Mr. Corbett. No. No, don't, don't go. Please, please, please don't. I, I, I have to think. You see, uh, I, I've been having this, the strangest hallucinations. I... I, I, I've been seeing Beresford ever since he died. He, he, he's been standing on street corners at the club, getting out of carriages, just, just, just standing there, haunting me. And, and, and now, now he's supposed to be coming here within the hour. Are you sure that note says Tuesday? Of course. Look for yourself. <laughs> How odd. Of course, even the signature could be misinterpreted. Instead of Jimmy, it could be Jilly. Oh, I'd realized that before. Before? You, you mean you, you've seen this note before? Now, tell me. 
Tell me all about it. I'll pay you well. Anything you, anything you, you can do to put my mind at rest. Just, just prove this is a stupid, malicious joke and I'll, I'll set my mind at rest. Please, 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 please help me. You really are frightened, aren't you? Frightened that the doorbell will ring and through that door will walk the ghost of James Beresford to torment your soul. Well, all right. I'll set your crooked little mind at rest. No one will be coming here. Ah, how, how do you know? Because I wrote that note. I wrote it after he died. You see, I wasn't his secretary. I am his niece. Uncle Jimmy was one of the best. You had him hunted down and you were glad when he was killed. Well, I wanted to make you suffer as he must have suffered. I could imitate Uncle's handwriting. I did it because I, I wanted to see what kind of a man you were. I've proved it. You are a cheap coward. Oh, is that so? Indeed. Well, don't think that a chit of a girl like you is going to show me up. You think you've taught me a lesson? Well, I'll teach you now, here and now. I'll show you to start with. How dare you? How dare you? Stop! Just stop it! Oh, just show me up, will you? You little vixen of your house, this! Right, that's enough, Corbett. Leave her alone. Watson, take care of him. Come on, Come on, Who do you want me to deal with him? You all right, Miss Martin? Yes. Yes, I'm all right. Maximilian! Just what does all this mean? Abigail! Well, how, how did you... What, why are you here? I was asked by Mr. Sherlock Holmes to come here this evening. He said I would learn something to my advantage. I seem to have done so. I'm leaving. I have nothing to say to you now, and I shall have nothing to say to you in the future. But I can explain all this. I, I, I can explain. It, it's a trick. Perhaps, Miss Stratton, you would like to take this note... It will explain that what you have seen was premeditated. Max always plans everything, down to the last detail. Thank you. I'm grateful I found out the worst before it's too late. Good night, gentlemen. Goodbye, Maximilian. It wasn't until we were back at Baker Street that Holmes confessed his part in the unmasking of Max Corbett. He puffed at his pipe with satisfaction. You see, I agreed with Gillian Marsh. Something should be done to curb this man's ambitions. So I plotted with her to show up the weaker side of his nature. I even impersonated James Beresford. I'm quite good at disguises, you know, and could well remember how the man looked and walked. Then, when we had preyed upon his mind long enough, we brought things to a climax, making sure that his fiancée, Abigail Stratton, saw what kind of a man he really was. Now, rumours will spread after this. I should think it will be many long days before he dares show his face at the Diogenes Club, for instance. Hardly a criminal case, I agree, but one where I think justice has been done. Don't you agree, Watson? Oh, Joe, yes, very clever, although perhaps not entirely ethical. <laughs> well, the man is defeated in a much more gracious manner than he has defeated many others. My conscience is quite clear. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.